Good evening, Shawnee Baptist Church. Uh, it's great to be here, uh, and this is different. This is weird. Uh, but it's what God has for us right now, and churches across our country are trying to adjust, uh, trying to come uh, just a different matter. And uh, it's awkward, I understand that. Uh, but I trust you're doing well this evening, and we're asking uh, God's blessings on you and your family and on our Bible study here tonight. I'm here in my office looking forward to sharing God's word together. Uh, but let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the plan that you have. Uh, and I do pray that you bless our time this evening around your word. Uh, I pray that you'd help us. Uh, would you provide comfort? Uh, Father, to so many uh, who are dealing with fear and anxiety, God, I pray that you'd bring encouragement uh, to so many who need to be uplifted uh, and are coming uh, this evening uh, to this video, uh, more importantly to your word, uh, to be encouraged. And God, I pray for those who need strength today. Uh, maybe it's been a long day at home with children. Uh, maybe it's been a long day at work. Uh, things have been different. Maybe it's been a long day at the office or uh, at the hospital, and God, I do pray that you'd strengthen us as your people uh, during this time. Thank you for the privilege we have of gathering, and God, I do believe the next few weeks uh, will give us a greater love and desire to be with your people. And God, I do pray now, though, that you'd meet with us as we take a look at your word. We love you. In your son Jesus' precious name we ask it. Amen. We'll make a few more announcements uh, a little bit later, uh, either at the end of the video or through email to the church family. Uh, but I want to jump right into scripture and a little bit, a lot more informal than it normally is. But if you have your Bible, I want you to look at the book of James, James 1, and we're going to read verses 13 through 18. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. We're continuing our series as we walk through the book of James uh, on Wednesday nights, and specifically tonight, a little bit of a part two of last week. So I'm going to take time to review uh, from last week's message, and then we'll jump into what God has for us together this evening. Look there with me at James chapter 1, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Verse number 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Father, we love you. I pray that you'd bless this time. I pray your Holy Spirit would fill me as the preacher. Uh, help me to say exactly what you want said, nothing more, nothing less. Be a blessing and encouragement to the people. Father, we know your word does not return void. And so, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our hearts and minds this evening as we hear your word. In your son Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Our text says there in verse number 13, let no man say when he is tempted, 
I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God does not dangle sin over our heads, hoping we don't take it. What kind of God would that be? Uh, Temptation comes from Satan. Uh, Temptation, defined this way, is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing in a bad way or something out of the will of God. There's many of these illustrations that we find uh, in Scripture. Abraham is uh, asked to leave his hometown and to head out on a journey. And there a test comes, a test from God, a famine. And that test from God becomes a temptation in Abraham's life. We know uh, instead of having faith in God, he heads to Egypt and the complications that came from that lack of faith and falling for that temptation. Uh, While Israel was wandering in the wilderness, the nation often turned their testing to temptation. We think of the time that they were thirsty. They had went days without water. And uh, God uh, there had provided uh, something. uh, But when they didn't find water, and when they when they didn't find water and then they finally did, it was so bitter that they couldn't taste of it. And uh, it became a temptation to them. It became a sin to them. Trials so often can become temptations. And if we're going to gain spiritual maturity, and that's been the crux of uh, our study in James, if we're going to gain spiritual maturity, we must face both testings and temptations. Now we've talked about how to handle trials the last couple weeks. And last week we looked at the first thing that James asks you and I to consider in this matter of facing or dealing with or handling temptations. So last week we looked at number one, we must consider where the path of temptation will lead us. You and I tend to think of sin as a single act. But God considers sin to be a process, okay? The book of James here describes that process. Verse number 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The first thing we see in this process is desire. Normal desires are given to us by God and themselves are not sinful. There in verse number 14, it says, when he is drawn away of his own lust, his own desires. Desires are not sinful, but desires draw us away. Uh, A desire for nice things can draw us away to stealing. A desire for money could draw us away to gambling. A desire for relationships could draw us away to finding those relationships in the wrong crowd. A desire for fun can draw us into finding that fun in a place that we shouldn't be. And the secret to getting control of our desires uh, is that word, control. We have to be willing to control ourselves. Electricity is not bad. But if electricity runs free without any control, it becomes very destructive. And our desires are necessarily not bad. But if we let our desires run free, we find ourselves in the path of sin. Desires cannot be our servants and our masters, okay? 
we can get control of our desires through Jesus Christ. And the second thing we looked at was the word deception. Verse number 14, but every man is tempted uh, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We looked at two words, the word drawn away and the word enticed. No temptation appears as temptation. I love fishing. Um, I enjoy specifically bass fishing and mixing up the lures and the hooks and the bait to attract the fish. And our goal in fishing was to make uh, that bait or that lure look as real as possible, act as real as possible while hiding the destruction. Uh, and that's exactly what deception is. The same is true with us. The temptation not only attracts us, but it also hides the fact that yielding to that desire and yielding to that temptation eventually brings sorrow and punishment in our lives. Uh, Lot would have never moved to Sodom if it wouldn't have been for him first seeing the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, David would have never committed adultery with Bathsheba had he understood the consequences ahead of time. Yeah, we said control helps us with desire. What helps us with deception? Uh, the word of God. The word of God is there to help us with deception. As uh, Satan tempted Christ there after 40 days of fasting, Christ answered in response to every temptation, uh, every deception that Satan threw out was, it is written and then gave scripture to combat it. Okay, the third thing we looked at was disobedience, sin. Verse number 15, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Desire and emotions, a deception conceives a method for taking the bait, and here in our passage, that method for taking the bait, or when we take the bait, we now have sin. We said we battle desire with control. We battle deception with the word of God. How do we battle disobedience or how do we battle sin with the opportunity to say no we need to learn that word no no i'm not going to do that no i'm not giving into that deception no i'm not sinning no i'm not looking at that no i'm not we need to say no uh to the times that we're tempted by satan Spiritually mature Christians don't run off of feelings. They run off of what is right. And that's why it's so important that you and I know the word of God. Well, once again, we said it's a process. And that last process that we spoke about last week was death. We look back at our passage. When, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It may take years for sin to mature. But when it does, you can be certain that death is around the corner. Romans chapter 6, verse number 20, Paul wrote, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things which ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of those things is death. And so James tells us in verse number 16, do not err, my beloved brother. Don't give in to the temptation. Realize the end of it. Realize the destruction that sin can cause. Okay? 
We come this evening to the second thing we need to consider in dealing with temptation. Number two, we must consider God's goodness. How wonderfully good God is to you and I as believers. Look there with me now at verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Reminding ourselves of the goodness of God is a great barrier in us yielding to temptation. Since God is good, we do not need any other person or thing, temptation, to meet our needs. Since God is good, we don't need any other person. We don't need Satan meeting our needs. We don't need a temptation meeting our needs. Why? Because God is good. Now, God may use other people to meet needs of ours, but we must remember that that good gift, that came from God. And when we lose sight of this truth, we start seeking people or things rather than seeking God. During the temptation of, uh, or during the trial of a, a financial bind, there's the temptation to go to a person, to go to a family member or a friend first before having faith in God, before asking God. During trials of loneliness and anxiety, we've got to be careful because there's a temptation uh, to run to a crowd of people or to run to social media to fill that void of loneliness or to battle anxiety. And it's a temptation if we don't run to God first. Satan is good at offering something in place of God or what God has already said. We have the example in scripture of Eve in the Garden of Eden. One of Satan's tricks is to get us to think that God is holding back on us, that our Heavenly Father doesn't really love us and doesn't really care about us and is withholding uh, things from us. And so there in Genesis chapter 3, Satan comes to Eve, and the Bible says this in verse number 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And here comes Satan's temptation, Satan's hook. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What was Satan's ploy? What was Satan's hook? Eve, God is keeping something good from you. Sometimes the temptation from Satan is something good, but it's out of God's will, or more specifically, it's out of God's timing and plan. As is Satan's bid to tempt Christ. He offered in the kingdoms of this world out of God's timing and plan. By the way, they were already Christ's. The will of God 
is always better than the counterfeit that Satan offers to you and I. Though the lights might be brighter, though the wallet fuller, though the house bigger, God's timing and God's plan for you are always better. They are always good. God is always good. I love how one man put it. It is, to be, it is better to be hungry in the will of God than to be full outside of the will of God. Here in our text verse, James gives us some insight into the goodness of God. Okay, A couple thoughts. Number one, everything good in this world comes from God. Look there with me at verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If it did not come from God, then it is not good. Proverbs 14, verse number 12 says this, There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Temptations have the appearance of good, like bait around a hook, but we must remember if it did not come from God, then it cannot be good. Satan never gives you and I any gifts, but what we don't end up paying for them dearly. God's gifts are always better than Satan's bargains. And so first of all, we must remember everything good comes from God. Number two, not all of God's gifts seems good, but they are good. And by the way, they are perfect. We read there in verse number 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Sometimes trials from God seem difficult. Sometimes trials from God seem unbearable. But if it comes from God, it is perfect. It is good. I think of Joseph's trial there. Now, uh, is it good for your brothers to despise you? Is it good for your brothers to sell you into slavery? Is it good for you to have to live in a foreign country and uh, to serve uh, in that capacity? Is it good for then you to be lied about and uh, to find time in prison? Is it good for, even when you're in prison, helping somebody to be forgotten about? Those trials did not seem good. But Joseph understood the goodness of God. Let me read to you Genesis 50, verse number 19 and 20. And Joseph said unto them, as he was appearing before his brothers, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring it to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. God meant it for good. Didn't seem good. God meant it for good. We think of Paul. 
and his thorn in the flesh. Once again, that thorn in the flesh given by God seemed to be of no good. Matter of fact, God besought, or Paul besought God three different times, remove this from me, take it from me. I don't want this thing. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he, being God, said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, Paul says, in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, Paul says, then am I strong. We must come to the place in our lives that we recognize, that we understand that what God gives is good and how God gives is good. Look there with me at verse number 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Number three, we can trust this to be the case because God does not change. Our text says there is no variableness with God. There is no shadow of turning with God. God is not fickle. He's not unpredictable or unreliable we can trust that what comes from him is always good. The light of the sun varies to us as the earth changes. But, mind you, the sun does not change. And the same is true with God. If shadows come between us and God, it's not because God changed or God turned. It's because we have. We don't have to question his love for us or doubt his goodness to us when temptations come our way. Last week, we used the temptation of David and his adultery with Bathsheba. We said this, if David would have seen the end of that deception, the end of that desire, if he would have seen the end of his decision, the judgment of God, David would have never committed that sin. That was point number one last week. Past recognizing the path of sin, this was God's message from Nathan the prophet. And I want you to listen to it and read this closely. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. Now notice this. And if that had been too little... I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. What did God say? David, you forgot how good I have been to you. And David, if you needed more good, I would have given you more good. God is good. 
God is always good. How do we deal with temptation? Number one, we remember God's judgment on sin. Number two, as we've spoken about uh, today, this evening, we must remember God's goodness to us. Now, let me close with this. Why is it so important to remember the goodness of God? Here's the problem. Once we start, once you and I start to doubt God's goodness, we are more attracted to then what Satan has and wants to offer to us. Let me say that again. Once we doubt God's goodness, we are then more attracted and often looking for what Satan offers us. We need to understand this evening as believers that God's plan is good. That God's timing is good. That the trials that we face that come from God are good. That valleys that God walks us through are good. That everything God does for us is good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Far too many believers, far too many Christians, far too many have doubted God's goodness. And because of that, they've run to the counterfeits that Satan has offered. It's so important for us to learn that God is good and to wait on his goodness. I'm often encouraged by the words of David in Psalms 27. I'll close with this. Psalm 27, verse number 13 and 14. I had fainted, David writes, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Then he goes on to say, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David said, I would have fainted. I would have given up. I would have quit. I would have thrown the towel had it not been that I believed in the goodness of God. I would have fainted if it wouldn't have been for God's goodness. Have you ever been there? Maybe that's where you're at tonight. Worrying, fearful, uh, the economy is struggling, what's going to happen next, waiting for the next announcement, uh, the next trial, what's coming around the corner, we have no idea. And it's so easy for the Christian to faint. It's so easy for the Christian to give in to temptation if we don't see and understand God's goodness. Church family, I pray, not only would we, in dealing with temptation, understand the path of sin and the judgment of God, but second of all, would we know and understand the goodness of God in our lives? Now, 
Maybe you're listening to this and you have never experienced personally God's goodness. Let me say this evening, God loves you. God cares about you. God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you. God wants to know you. God wants you to know him. He already knows you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And I pray this evening that if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, that tonight, today would be that day. God is good. It's a great reminder for every single one of us as believers. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I can think of so many times in my life that you've been good. There's so many times that my wife and I have faced a difficult circumstance that did not seem good at the time. But now as we look at it from the other side, it was very good. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you don't change. There's no variableness. There's no shadow of turning. And God, I pray that our focus would stay on you. That our focus as a church, as believers, especially in this day and hour, would be firmly fixed on the fact that you are good. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for that. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, church, let me give you just a couple things. First of all, uh, if you're worshiping at home uh, together, uh, whether you're by yourself or with friends, here's a couple things maybe to consider, some questions to look at that might help you uh, dialogue with family this evening. Uh, A couple follow-up questions. Uh, Number one, What are some ways God has been good to you and your family? I want you to take some time and talk about those together this evening. Uh, Second of all, name a few things and talk, discuss this. Name a few things that did not seem good, but afterwards you saw how, how God worked it out for good, how good it really was. And then number three, I want you to talk about a few temptations that Satan offers that appear good at first. And then what destruction or what problems do those cause later? Name some of the counterfeits that Satan uh, throws out. I think those discussion questions will help you dig uh, just a little bit deeper uh, into our message and our Bible study tonight. Now, We're going to close in prayer in just a minute. Uh, We will post uh, our prayer sheets for the church and make that available through email. Take time to pray uh, for the people of our church, for our communities, and really uh, for uh, Christians and for the people of our nation, for our leaders. So many important things for us to pray. Take time uh, after you've watched this to discuss these things and then have a prayer time with you and your family. I wanted to let you know, Good things are still happening. Uh, I got a text late Monday night from Mark Estes, one of our members, saying, Pastor, had the opportunity to lead one of my clients to the Lord. I went, amen, that's so good. Uh, Monday, in the parking lot here at church, I was able to share the gospel with uh, one of our bus parents, a, a bus dad, 
Uh, his name is Jacob, and Jacob in the parking lot trusted Christ as his personal Savior. And then even last night, uh, as uh, we were getting ready to meet uh, with some of uh, the leaders of the church, uh, Brother Adam Moore, our children's pastor, said, Pastor, I just had the opportunity uh, to take a walk around the church property and had the opportunity to lead a man to the Lord uh, down the street from the church. And I went, amen, good things are still happening. And so as we go and as we're dismissed, uh, just, just two things, take a moment, encourage somebody, and then also take a moment the rest of this week and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for our Wednesday night Bible study. Once again, I miss being with God's people. But until then, let's live for him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for those who are able to turn into, uh, tune into uh, our service this evening. God, I do pray that you'd bless us as a people. Thank you for your goodness. And even in the midst of the coronavirus, you are still good. Help us to take time to think about you, to think about your word, to think about your goodness. Help us to take time to encourage somebody this week and to tell somebody about Jesus this week. Help us to live for you, and we will thank you and praise you for what you do in and through us. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Have a good night, church.